Hey, Jason Rogers here. And in this video, I want to talk to you about how to analyze financials and how to ultimately ascertain the value of a business that you're looking to acquire or a business you're looking to purchase, right? So this is about how to analyze the financials that you're going to receive from a seller, right? You're talking to a business owner or a property owner. They're thinking about selling. You're looking to buy either this business or this piece of property, but how do you really get a sense of how much this business is worth? Obviously there's a lot of things you need to be looking for, but one of the key things you're absolutely looking at are the financials of the business. That's one of, that's one of the key ways you're going to ascertain how much this business is worth. And in this video, I want to talk to you about the most important financial documents you need to look at in what you need to analyze to really ascertain the worth of the business. And this is really important for financing a business acquisition as well. So if you're looking to use finance, if you're using a third party lender to help you buy this business or buy this piece of property, then I'm going to really help you get clear on what you're looking for. So let's get to the punchline. The most important financial document of all for financing a business acquisition or for analyzing the worth of this business acquisition. And this also includes real estate. In either event, you need the tax returns, the tax returns. Consider the tax returns are what this business owner sends to the federal government each year. And if the business owner fudges the tax returns, that can become a federal crime, tax evasion, tax fraud. There are serious implications for fudging your tax returns. And this is basically going to be the case in any first world country and most countries in the world. You do not want to short the government on taxes. You can get yourself in a lot of hot water if you do so. And so what this means is a business's tax returns are the most trustworthy financial document you can access. They're more trustworthy than the P&L. They're more trustworthy than the statement of cash flows. They're more trustworthy than basically anything because again, the risks associated with BS and the tax returns are very high and most business owners simply aren't going to do it. This is why when you're looking for acquisition financing from a third party lender from a bank, this is why in almost every single scenario, one of the first things a lender is going to request are the tax returns for the business acquisition in question. They want to see those tax returns. They want to see how much income that business owner reported to the federal government each year. Now, what you're ultimately looking for, you're looking for a couple of things, right? First of all, you're looking for the total sales, which is usually line one on, I believe about page four of a business's tax returns. And we're talking about the United States here. If you live in a different country, you're going to have to consult with your accountant or your bookkeeper or whoever does your taxes. But in the United States, you're going to look on, I believe page four, it's one of the first few pages within the tax returns that a business files each year in line one on that page is going to be the total sales that, that, that business did for that year, that financial year. So say for the 2019 tax returns, there may be a business that did 3 million a year in sales, right? That will be most likely in line one, it shows the total sales. And then you're going to see, there's going to be all these expenses. There's going to be officer compensation, right? There's going to be payroll. There's an area for donations. Usually there's an area usually for meals. There's an area usually for materials or inventory for insurance, for interest. There's all these different areas 
where business owners can write off expenses. And this is, of course, you've heard of write-offs, tax write-offs. Well, all business owners are looking for the maximum amount of tax write-offs. And so what ultimately happens on tax returns, when you're analyzing tax returns, is you see at the top, there's the total sales. You then see all these different write-offs that the business owner took for that financial year. And then at the very bottom, or towards the very bottom of that same page, you're gonna see the total taxable income. That's the total amount of income or a loss that the business owner reported to the feds for that taxable year. And that number right there is the number that lenders are gonna use when analyzing and evaluating the business. And it's also what I recommend you use when analyzing the business and how much income it makes. That's a number usually you can literally take to the bank, or at least that's what they took to the bank after all of their write-offs for that given year. Now, there are certain expenses that business owners can write off legally that aren't true, necessary, and essential expenses to that business's operation. I'll give you a couple examples. One of them, depreciation. Another one, officer's salary or officer compensation, especially when it's multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? You don't need to be paying yourself, although of course you wanna be paying yourself a lot of money. You don't need to be paying yourself $300,000 to live indoors. So usually anything over $50,000 you can basically count as EBITDA because it's really the earnings of the business. You just paid yourself a bigger salary because the business was being successful. But anyway, so you can write off depreciation. Depreciation isn't a real expense. You can't touch depreciation. It's a legal tax loophole that you can use to have more write-offs so that you have less taxable income so that you pay less in taxes, right? So there's depreciation, there's officer compensation, especially if it's over 50,000 a year, there's meals, there's donations, and there are other write-offs that you can legally take that business owners do take that when you adjust the total taxable income to those extra write-offs, you may actually find that the business is cash flowing a greater number than the total taxable income. Because remember, from the mindset of a business owner, they want as little taxable income as possible. The less taxable income they show, the less they pay in taxes. And I don't know about you, but most business owners don't like paying taxes. However, banks tend to be pretty conservative about what they consider taxable income, right? So what you'll see oftentimes, if you've dealt with enough small business owners, you know this, small business owners will take all these write-offs and they'll put all of their phones under the business. They'll put their personal vehicle under the business. They'll put vacations perhaps under the business. They'll all these fancy dinners at Ruth Chris Steakhouse they'll put under the business and they'll write off all these personal expenses as business expenses. And this is where things get awkward because the lender, I know from experience, is going to expect that if you wrote off a bunch of cell phones and vehicle expenses and trips and gas that was all personal expense, but you wrote it off under the business, the lender is gonna usually, especially if they don't have a track record of doing deals with you yet, they're gonna expect that those expenses were necessary parts of the business to function. And of course, the seller of the business is gonna say, of course that wasn't necessary. I didn't need to pay $500 a month in that business to have all of my family members to have an iPhone 10 with great service and unlimited data. 
That was something I wrote off under the business so I paid less in taxes and it was a gift I gave to my family because times were good. You'll hear sellers say things to the effect of, it's not like I needed to go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse every week. I wanted to and we wrote it off under the business. You'll hear sellers say things like, I didn't need that 2020 truck, that $60,000 full-size truck, but I wanted it and I wrote it off under the business. Now, should you add those adjustments back to the taxable income? Because you're, what the seller's arguing is, hey, the true income of this business is way higher than that taxable income. Right? I didn't need the 2020 truck. I didn't need to donate a million dollars to this charity. I didn't need to eat at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. I didn't need to take a two-week trip to the Bahamas and write it off. But lenders, again, usually take a very conservative stance. And part of the reason is because they're backed by the FDIC. Right, was this, which is essentially the program, I believe it was made back with when FDR was in the White House 80 years ago now. But this is basically where the federal government backs every single deposit made into an FDIC-insured bank up to $250,000. And in exchange for doing that, banks need to follow certain regulations and rules. And one of those regulations and rules usually that banks have to follow when lending money is to look at the financial tax returns. And so this is where you can go to a seller and say, look, you can't eat your cake and have it too. You can't double dip. You either get to write off all these bogus expenses under your business and reduce your taxable income, but then get a smaller payout when you look to sell your business, or you should have kept it clean in the years prior to this so that I could have given you maximum dollar for your business. Now, some sellers will try to have their cake and eat it too. They'll say, hey, I'm going to write off all these things and then I'm going to go to a a buyer that's an all-cash buyer that doesn't need to produce my tax returns to the bank. And I'm going to have an all-cash buyer come in and just buy the business because they're going to see the true value of the business and they're not going to care that I wrote off all these trips to Bahamas and that I wrote off Ruth Chris's steakhouse and all this stuff and they're going to try to get the best of both worlds. It's possible for sellers, but it's difficult to do unless if they have a great business. Usually you as the buyer, especially in uncertain times like these, usually you as the buyer can come in and say, nah, uh, 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 uh. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You already wrote off all these bogus expenses, so now you're going to get less money down. You're going to receive a smaller portion of cash at the closing table, and you're going to need to carry a greater portion of the capital stack in a seller finance note. And that's one of the ways I recommend you negotiate with, with these sellers is you explain to them, hey, look, when you bought that truck or when you wrote off your airplane as an advertising expense or when you did X, Y, or Z, you basically lost the confidence of the lender. The lender no longer has confidence in this deal because your deal's not showing it's making as much money as you claim it is. So now I need you to carry some of the paper if you want to get this deal through. And that is something that you can use as leverage to get sellers to carry a greater portion of the paper to carry a seller finance note in either the first or a second position, depending on how you structure the capital stack, a topic for a different video. But in any event, what you're really looking for is that taxable income, that true number that the seller reported to the feds for that taxable year. And then really what you're usually going to do is you're going to take a trailing three-year average. So you're going to take the taxable income for 2019, for 2018, and for 2017, for example. You're going to add them up, and then you're going to divide them by three because they're three years, right? And then you're going to take that, that average of those three years, and usually a lender will lend two times that amount, or two and a half times that amount. And now we're talking about multiples right? That a lender will usually lend, let's just say two times or two and a half times earnings on a cash flowing business. Now, if it's a real estate property, that's different because it's hard. It's a set of hard assets, different buildings 
or homes with utilities and water lines and all of these hard assets, there a lender will lend six or seven times earnings perhaps. Because again, hard assets, it's the deal in that case is collateralized by hard assets. Whereas a cash flowing business that maybe has some trucks or some tools and some inventory, but that's about it. And otherwise they have a book of business there because there's less assets, less collateralizable assets. A lender may say, Hey, I'll lend two times earnings on that, but that's it. I'll lend two times the taxable income for the trailing three years. And that's really how lenders operate. That's how lenders are thinking. They're looking at the hard assets. And they're also looking at the taxable income. The taxable income is proof of cash flow. And then the hard assets are obviously the, the intrinsic value of these assets and, and they're collateralizable. And so those are the two things you'll, you'll hear lenders looking for. Either they're asset lenders, they're lending on hard assets that they can collateralize, or they're cash flow lenders. They're lending on earnings. They're lending on cash flow. And the assumption that that cash flow will continue to come in for future months and years. But in any event, those are the things that lenders are looking for. And again, by understanding what to look for on tax returns, because banks and lenders of basically every description, as well as investors generally value tax returns the most of any financial document. Why? Again, because it's the document that is most risky to fudge. Aunt Jemima and uncle Ben can make up some goofy P and L's in their basement on QuickBooks. Same thing with balance sheets or statement of cash flows. Ostensibly, they can make those things up on QuickBooks or on any accounting platform in their basement. But Aunt Jemima is going to be a little more reluctant to fudge your tax returns, which is again, why that's the most important document of all for you to collect and for you to analyze. And before you receive financials from business owners, you're usually going to be signing an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. And that makes everybody more comfortable so that once you analyze those financials, they know that you're not, not going to share them, that you're not going to steal proprietary information or anything like that. All right. But that's basically how you go about analyzing businesses as well as real estate and cash flowing properties. In any event, you're looking for that taxable income, and then you're going to take those financials to lenders. And usually they will say, Hey, based on the assets and the cash flow, I'll lend this much on that property or on that deal. That's basically how it works. All right. If you've liked this video, throw it some love, share your comments below. What would you like me to talk about next? We talk about business acquisition, M and a and real estate here a lot. We also talk a lot about finance and deal making in general. So by all means, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and I'll talk to you in the next video.